Welcome in to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargold, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for the Rivals.com network. And while there's a lot of news going on in the world of Wisconsin athletics, like the Badgers football team playing for Paul Bunyan's axe in a likely bowl bid against Minnesota tomorrow afternoon at Camp Randall Stadium, or the men's basketball team playing host to number 23 Louisville tomorrow morning after being a good Loyola team in a bonus game Tuesday, we're going to spend the majority of this podcast talking about National Sign Day, which was this past Wednesday, and was a really good day for Paul Christ and the Wisconsin football program. After signing top 30 recruiting classes in 2019 and 2020 for the first time in program history, Chris and his staff broke through in a big way during a pandemic-shortened 2021 recruiting cycle by signing 21 highly thought-of players who combine give the program a number 15 recruiting ranking according to Rivals.com. Not only are they ranked higher than named programs like Texas, Nebraska, Penn State, Florida State, Auburn, Stanford, and many others I could name, the number 15 ranking is easily the highest in program history. We're going to dive into all 21 players. We're going to hear from offensive coordinator Joe Rudolph, defensive coordinator Jim Lehrer, director of player personnel Saeed Khalif, all in this episode and then we'll talk a little Wisconsin football and stuff at the end but this is the big story that Wisconsin one five-star player eight four-star players and 12 three-star players according to the rivals.com rankings the Badgers signed six players from in-state and really hit all parts of the country gained three players from Ohio two from Minnesota including the highest ranked player in the state away from the Gophers two from Florida including a four-star corner one from California, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. Wisconsin grabbed 10 players on offense, including three offensive linemen, three tailbacks, two receivers, a quarterback, and a tight end, and 11 on defense with six linebackers, two cornerbacks, two safeties, and a defensive lineman. Let's dive into this class. Typically, when we talk about Wisconsin, on offense, we talk about the big offensive linemen and the power tailbacks. And while there's a lot to talk about at these positions, I want to start with the receiver position because that position has an opportunity for really early playing time for Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell. Now, if you've watched the last three games like I have, one thing has been crystal clear with the 2020 Wisconsin football program, and it's that the Badgers lack receivers who are ready to play now especially since Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor have been out of the lineup for such a prolonged period of time. And spoiler alert, those two are probably not going to play against the Gophers tomorrow, and it's unknown if they're going to return next year. Behind those two players, we're supposed to have seen Cade Green and Emmett Perry by now, but those two are no longer with the program because of injuries. A.J. Abbott and Taj Mustafa from a couple of recruiting classes ago have not developed to the point where they could be on the field consistently for Wisconsin. And that's leaving the Badgers with senior Jack Dunn as their top wide receiver. And it's not a great sign. I like Jack Dunn, but it's not a good sign when he admits, Jack Dunn admits, that the incoming freshman had more talent than he ever will. So therefore, you look at Marcus Allen, who is my pick as the recruit who could see the field the soonest of this 2021 class. A four-star recruit by rivals, Allen caught 60 passes for 844 yards and 14 touchdowns in eight games last season. Decommitting from Michigan in September and latching on to Wisconsin in November, Allen has dynamic ability, speed, and explosiveness that fills a gap on this roster. His head coach, Anthony Boring, told BadgerBlitz.com that he 
believes that Allen wants to play early at Wisconsin. He said that's for sure. He's guns blazing and ready to get there and go. No doubt about that. Every day he'll work toward that goal. Jumping from high school to the Big Ten, I know that's a big jump. Wisconsin's a great program and they have a lot of great players there and it'll be tough. But I wouldn't bet against him because of that work ethic. With his mental makeup, if he puts his mind to something, he'll accomplish it. I wouldn't doubt the kid, and it's been that way since the first day I met him. End quote. Now, considering two true freshman receivers have played for the Badgers this month, don't count out Skylar Bell either. Bell joined our podcast over the summer prior to his commitment, and he was a coveted prospect then, not only because he caught 36 passes for 549 yards and 8 touchdowns as a junior, but Bell has some of the best athleticism of any receiver in the Northeast. He's a versatile receiver, which means Bell can play in a multi- multiple different spots in multiple ways, whether he's in the slot or outside while also having the ability to take the top off a of defense. The fact that Wisconsin got these two high-quality receivers with a receivers coach in Alvis Witted, who wasn't able to meet with either player personally because of the lateness of his hire, is truly impressive. Switching to running back, Wisconsin typically doesn't sign multiple running backs in a class. If you go back to every class since 2014, just one running back Wisconsin has signed. So the fact that Badgers signed three three-star prospects and had commitments from two of them extremely early in this class is eye-opening. Jackson Acker out of Verona was an honorable mention All-State as a junior by the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association after running for 929 yards and 113, on 113 carries, 11 touchdowns as a junior. And he's a good track star, too. Finished second in the discus at the state track meet. Loyal Crawford of Eau Claire has rushed for 670 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's a 9.1 yards per carry in five games as a junior. Both Acker and Crawford earned their offers following their performances in Wisconsin's 2019 summer camp, and both are scheduled to play high school football this spring. Now, Antoine Roberts Roberts emerged later after he rushed for over 3,400 yards and 49 touchdowns in three varsity seasons at Pope John Paul II High School out of Nashville. Now, Roberts may be one of the lower-rated prospects in this class, but he picked the Badgers over offers from Cincinnati, Duke, Kentucky, Louisville, Memphis, Missouri, and Vanderbilt, and is a long, lean prospect who already has a lot of strength. Here's Rudolph talking about the additions to the running back room. Well, I, I, I think that's I think that they're all kind of unique. You know, uh, um, Jackson's a guy that, that obviously would have uh, position flexibility, but he kind of is explosive you know like his track numbers are off the charts and he's a big physical football player and and um you know you hope that's the role he would he would carry being explosive big back for you and um and be able to uh be a pads out runner and and um and then you know he's got a burst to him so i i, I kind of really like that and then you see loyal and, and loyal's got great speed you know great change of direction you know, um, uh, a chance for a home run hitter. I, I think he's got uh, great quicks in and out. And, and um, again, you know, I, I think all these guys can, can, you know, we'll find out exactly where, where they're at when they come in. But I think guys that are really just good football players as well. And Antoine, kind of the, um, you know, what he does to this point, you know, complete back and and had a great senior year and, and um, you know, Someone will it'll 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 hit them sooner, you know. Different roles that the running backs have within the offense. I think I think they'll be able to embrace it. And as you get them here, you'll find kind of kind of find where their home is. 
Now, to be a great running back, you need a great offensive line in front, and this might be one of the best offensive line classes the Badgers have ever signed, at least in terms of star power. With Wisconsin land the top overall player, not just lineman, overall player in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania. J.P. Benchwell was the first commit of this class ages ago and follows his brothers Bo and Luke, as well as father Scott and uncle Eric, to Wisconsin. He's a first-team All-State selection. He won the Joe Thomas Award as the outstanding senior offensive lineman in the state. Now, Riley Melman is a 2021 All-American Bowl selection. He got his first offer from the Badgers, 6'8", 270 right now. He's a, also a standout basketball player, an athletic tackle who has the frame to add plenty of weight when he arrives on campus this spring. He will be an early enrollee. And his high school coach said that he is everything a coach could want in a football player. That includes size, strength, toughness, athleticism, intelligence, and a blue-collar mentality. Now, UW likely was content with just those two offensive linemen, especially since the amount of youth that they have on the line. But the Badgers weren't going to turn down Nolan Rushi, only the third five-star prospect to commit to the program in the Rivals.com ranking era. He's also, like Riley, a 2021 All-American Bowl selection. He's a first-team All-State pick each of the past two seasons. Basically, he was, he's a stud prospect. Any major program in the country would love to have had Nolan Rushi, and a lot of them offered him. Here's what Joe Ruoff had to say about where his three prospects fit on his offensive line. I think all of them have uh, position flexibility. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, I, I, would say, um, I would say Nolan and probably uh, – and probably Riley or probably the two that most likely to stick at, at, um, at tackle and JP, you know, he had a brother, his size, that was a pretty darn good offensive guard here. You know what I mean? That's playing, you know, that's working at center and guard in the NFL. So there'll be opportunities for all those guys to, uh, to figure out what's best for them. Sometimes you get a guy and, you know, he fits a position better than maybe he even thought he would, you know, and, and you help find him there. Like I think Bo started off as a tackle for us, but really found a home being a, being a guard. Um, uh, I, I do think all of them are really talented. I think um, where they're at on the curve, you'll find out kind of as they get here and get rolling. Riley will be here at the mid-year. Um, he'll be in here first. And, and uh, But I was excited about how all three of them played this year, you know, watching their film and, watching them compete. You know, JP's going to compete in basketball um, right now, which is pretty cool. And Riley had been a hoop player and Nolan doesn't fancy, he doesn't brag on his hoop game, but he had played in the past. And I, I think they're big athletic guys uh, that I think you have to have as, uh, as defenses, you know, are, are pretty darn athletic and being able to keep up with them. So uh, I, I do, I think those guys match in their work ethic and their, their, uh, their mindset and, I think I think they'll make a major impact here. The one position where one could argue that Wisconsin missed on a few targets was tight end, a position that has a lot of unknown commodities currently behind junior Jake Ferguson, who leads the team in every receiving category this season and is a candidate to leave early for the NFL draft. Now, while he may not have been the top target, Jack Pugh of Ohio checks a lot of boxes for the Badgers. He's still in the development stage to a degree since he's played football as hasn't played football as long as some others, and he's worked a lot at the defensive end and the wide receiver position. But according to his high school coach, Pugh can play H-back, play with his hand on the ground, or split out, which is perfect for UW in its offense. Plus, his high school coach said that Jack is not afraid to block 
and do the dirty work needed for an offense to succeed. Here's Joe Rudolph on Jack Pugh. You know, uh, Jack played his first year of football last year, and um, this was uh, this was his second year. And really, a guy that that was a hoop player that that jumped into it. You know, watching his film, I thought he was uh, I thought he was really physical for a guy that that um, that hadn't played football. And he was physical at D end as well as uh, as well as tight end. And you know, I, I think he's got. Uh, the ability to separate like I think he's got really good speed and explosiveness and and um you know during the process you know we 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 were kind of looking for somebody that um that we felt could be a, a third down guy that you know if you could find one that could be a third down receiver separate hands guy that could also you know be lucky enough to to do do the rest of it those are guys are hard to find you know as it went along we we felt like he could do all of that Last but certainly not least, quarterback Deacon Hill is my choice for the most underrated player in this class, simply because he's rated as a three-star player, but it could easily be the ninth four-star prospect in this class. Now, like most recruited quarterbacks, Hill made his choice quickly to secure his spot. Gained his offer in spring of 2019, he committed to the Badgers a couple months later in June. While he's a big athlete, 6'4 and growing, he has a strong, accurate arm. Hill didn't have much game field entering his junior year. And he responded by throwing for over 3,000 yards, completing nearly 59% of his passes, and having 33 touchdowns to assist seven interceptions. He also ran for 461 yards and 13 touchdowns. Now, Hill's senior, fall, senior season was moved to this spring because of COVID, and further evaluation in another standout season for the Santa Barbara, California high school prospect could give him a bump that many UW fans feel he's warranted. After all, his high school coach, J.T. Stone, told us that he rem- that Deacon reminds him a lot of Drew Bledsoe because Deacon is comfortable sitting in the pocket and hitting that second or third read. Last minute, he can find that guy, and that's something that you really can't coach, Stone said. Kids get excited. They want to run around and move, but Deacon will sit in the pocket and go through his first, second, and third options. He can always find that outlet within the system. Deacon is a pocket passer who can read the field, and that's what keeps our offense rolling. Here's what Joe Rudolph thinks. You know, I, I thought Coach Bud, I identified him really early. We thought he had great arm strength when you compared him to the best players at the country that were out there. We thought he was right there from the jump. And, um, you know, a lot of recognition, a lot of people have kind of seen that as it went along. But um, we just thought he fit everything we were looking for as a, as a, um, as a QB. And then we really liked the kid you know we really liked him we felt personality wise um the people that's that surrounded him and supported him how he worked um all those things were a great fit for us so we were we were pumped at that time and we are continue to be pumped about him that's your offensive class for the badgers in 2021 and when you break it down wisconsin hit a lot of areas of need with wide receiver built some depth at offensive line and quarterback and have some fun projects to develop at tight end and running back Overall, in my opinion, that's a solid B-plus on the offensive side of the ball. Now, switching over to the defense, and the 11 players here have a chance to be something really special. Starting on the defensive line, the Badgers secured a commitment from just one player in the trenches and from a prospect who has yet to visit campus because of the pandemic. However, there's a lot to like about New Jersey lineman Mike Jarvis, who did say the Badgers were his dream school to get recruited by. He's listed as a defensive end by Wisconsin, but could easily grow into a defensive tackle or a hybrid model like Connor Sheehy was for the Badgers a couple years ago on the line. 
Coming off a junior season where he recorded 87 tackles and 10 sacks, Jarvis had 44 tackles, 3 sacks, 2 fumble recoveries, and a forced fumble in just 7 games this past season. Now at linebacker, there's a lot of players to talk about, and then a lot of good ones at that. UW signed 6 in this class who appear to fit what the Badgers like to do schematically. Three outside linebackers, Ayo Adibogan from Mequon, a former podcast guest of ours, was named an outstanding senior defensive lineman in Wisconsin in a first-team All-State selection this past season. 21 TFLs and 7.5 sacks in just eight games as a senior, Adibogan proved himself against Whitefish Bay 2022 in-state lineman Joe Bruner, a top recruit in next year's class for the Badgers that helped kickstart Adibogan's recruitment and eventually his commitment. Now, Daryl Pearson is the first of two four-star linebackers in this class. He was named All-Area Defensive Player of the Year by Cleveland.com after leading Holbin High School to a perfect 11-0 record and a state title. A player who will be transitioning from the defensive end spot, Pearson registered 17.5 sacks as a senior after recording a school record 21 sacks as a junior. In the talent-rich state of Ohio, he was ranked the number nine overall prospect, which goes to show how much he's truly thought of. Iowa's T.J. Bowlers, another four-star prospect, was a defensive line MVP at the 2020 U.S. Army All-American Combine. That's a big honor for those that aren't aware. And a first-team All-State selection this past season, 35.5 tackles, 6.5 tackles for loss in just eight games. Him committing in June was not the most pressing need for Wisconsin 2021, but long-term is a different story. The Padgers covet dynamic, versatile edge rushers for their defense, and those players have used their position to transition to successful NFL careers. Zach Bond, Leon Jacobs, Andrew Van Ginkle, and TJ Watts, some of the more recent examples. And Bowlers can easily be in that conversation. Like Pearson, he's going to transfer from defensive end to the stand-up rush position, but Bowlers has a deep skill set that should allow him to handle that switch easily. Relentless motor, pursuit to the ball, and Wisconsin has recruited a lot of edge rushers over the last few recruiting cycles, but Bowlers, he just might be the best of the bunch in my opinion. He's rated the number 103rd prospect nationally. Iowa, Alabama, Florida, and Notre Dame, he said no to to come to Wisconsin. Now, moving inside, it's not a stretch to say that the trio of Jake Cheney, Jake Ratzlaff, and Brian Sanborn all could be considered Wisconsin's top sleeper prospect in this class, as all are sneaky, good football players. You know, starting with Cheney, he had 14 offers, half of which came from the Power Five, but he fits the mold of what the Badgers want in the middle of its defense. He moves well sideline to sideline. He avoids contact. He makes plays. Back-to-back 100-yard, 100-tackle seasons, 117 tackles last season, along with 12 tackles for loss. Another bonus, Cheney's dad is a coach, so the intelligence and film study the young Cheney has received is invaluable. And my pick for the player who's going to outperform his ranking is going to be Brian Sanborn, largely because his brother Jack leads Wisconsin total tackles last season and does again this season. And now, like his older brother, Sanborn's film shows him as a fit at inside linebacker. Natural instincts, tendency to find the ball carry and make plays. 108 tackles and six sacks last season. So I wouldn't be surprised if Sanborn contributed in some capacity as a true freshman next season on defense or special teams. Last but not least, the final piece of Wisconsin's 2021 class could be the most intriguing in Jake Ratzlaff, a former Minnesota hockey commit. Ratzlaff could play inside or outside linebacker for the Badgers, and his head coach said that Ratzlaff could have started at any position on their team. That's high praise. He played safety and outside linebacker on defense, tight end, 
on offense. Just six games, 70 tackles, three sacks, three picks, two fumble recoveries, and two defensive touchdowns. Just six games this past season, Rats left it all that. Moving to the back end of the defense, Al Ashford was the surprise commitment of the per- of this period for the Badgers. Out of Denver, his high school team went 44-1 and during his career, including back-to-back state titles last year and this year. And he was more than just a part of it. He had 23 pass breakups, seven picks, six forced fumbles, and two touchdowns over his career. And in a story he told us on the podcast that I just love repeating, Ashford made his decision on live local television, had 19 scholarship choices laid out in front of him. But when it came time to make his pick, he reached under the table for a bottle of hand sanitizer with a Bucky Badger sticker on the front and donned a red cap. He said the Badgers offered him a, like two weeks prior to his announcement, and he decided not to tell anybody, including his family. Nobody knew Wisconsin offered me, he said. I didn't tell my own parents that they had offered me, and I didn't tell any coaches I put on the hat. And I guarantee you there was a little pause. It went silent. I looked around, and then I started hearing cheers. My parents were like, Wisconsin? Believe me, his parents have come around since then. But unlike Ashford, a lot of people knew about Ricardo Hallman out of Florida. Big corner at six foot even, four-star prospect, one of the best prep defensive backs the Badgers have landed out of Florida in several years, maybe ever. Jim Lair is going to gush about him in a minute, but Hallman recorded eight interceptions as a junior in that talent-rich region of South Florida. And saving what could quite possibly be the best for last, Wisconsin landed a pair of in-state safeties who are two of the best prep skill position players to ever come out of the state of Wisconsin, a duo that could easily be multi-year starters for years to come. Fond du Lac's Braylon Allen was originally the first commit of the 2022 class, but reclassified to start, making an earlier impact on his, on his program. Four-star prospect, second-team sophomore All-American, Allen had 48 tackles, six TFLs, four sacks, and three picks as a sophomore. His team's going to play in the spring. And a bonus for UW, he's comfortable returning kicks. He averages over 29 yards as a returner. Last, my pick for the top prospect in the class is Muskego's Hunter Wohler. Best senior defensive back in Wisconsin, a two-time AP Player of the Year, a two-time state champion, whose teams went to combine 37-0 during his varsity career, 355 tackles, and nine picks for Wooler in his prep career. He was arguably Wisconsin's top overall target in the 2021 class. He's a rare talent who combines strong tackling and a strong passion for the game. Simply put, Wooler's defensive coordinator, he calls him a freak, a great equalizer, and someone who can make a lot of things turn out right that are going wrong. He picked Wisconsin over Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Notre Dame, Ohio State. This commitment gives Wisconsin another hard-hitting safety like a Scott Nelson or Eric Burrell and perhaps playing time as early as next season. Here's Jim Lehrer talking about his defensive group with the exception of Braylon Allen who had yet to officially sign when we chatted with Wisconsin's defensive coordinator. Start with Io. Um, obviously, very talented in-state kid. Um, we see as an outside linebacker for us. Um, just really pop in his junior year. Uh, explosive player coming off the edge. Uh, we, we love what he can do in the pass rush game and just continually um, growing into his body. But the athleticism is is quite high, and uh, that's that's what's got us very excited about him. Um, just working down the list in front of me, Al Ashford, um, out of Colorado, um, talented corner, good size, very, very, very fast, um, talented, physical kid, very, very focused and locked in, um, comes from a military family, and, and you can tell that's worn off, just highly self-motivated and um, 
it's kind of the, the first thing that jumps out about Al outside of the, the physical tools that he has. And, you know, biggest thing to me is he's two-time champion, you know, back-to-back state championships. You know, those are those are type of kids you want in your program to continue to, to develop that winning culture. Um, TJ Bowlers is, is a kid that um, we, we love his versatility. You know, we see him as an outside linebacker kind of plus. You know, we think he can do a little bit more than that position and provide some flexibility for us. Uh, great physicality with what he has shown in high school. And um, as he grows into his body, um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to put him in different positions. Um, so that's TJ. Jake Cheney, uh, we see a true inside linebacker for us. Uh, love his physicality, kind of his fire and his passion and, and, and how he plays. You know, his father's a head coach, um, so he's a round ball. 24-7 and just, you know, locked in, you know, very focused um, and motivated kid that uh, we, we think we're getting there. Um, Ricardo Holman, uh, very talented, uh, another corner out of South Florida uh, for us and love his, his length, love his size, his speed um, and competitiveness. You know, he's probably been the most consistent playmaker, you know, in, in my opinion that we've recruited in a little while. So I'm, I'm excited for uh, just the ways we can use him and and move him around and and get him around the football um, as far as the secondary goes um let's see mike jarvis um love as a d lineman you know he he fits what we do the right mentality um he can get after people you know very physically impressive at the high school level and you know we're, we're looking forward to develop his skills and and continue to push uh you know, what we can ask our defensive line to do. And, you know, you, you turn on the tape and you go, dang, everything we ask our guys to do, um, he's, he's putting on tape for you. Daryl Peterson, um, another outside linebacker that extremely talented, right, is his twitch off the balls, pass rush ability, uh, the physicality that he plays with, and just playing at a different speed at the high school level than, than anyone could match. Um, once again, another kid who's – you know, multiple championships type of kid, great, um, great leader on his team and, and well-respected uh, by every, everyone that we talk to in school. Um, Jake Raslaff, um, we, are, we already mentioned, you know, the, the versatility he could bring to that linebacker position. Obviously, you know, you look off the field as well as what he's done as far as just being a pure athlete and, and what he can do in hockey. You know, we're excited for him because it truly is a kid that is as talented as he is. He really has not focused solely on football, right? So we still feel like there's a, a ton of growth uh, in his game and in, in coming from a very, very high, high level of play already. Um, Brian Sanborn, right next for me. Brian Sanborn, and, you know, obviously the brother of Jack, but he is his own player. You know, similar traits uh, as far as how they play, but personality-wise, you know, we love love what he can bring and the different style of leadership, um, physicality that he can bring to that inside linebacker position, um, kind of in in his own right. And you know, wanted to make sure he he understood we're not recruiting. Jack, we're recruiting you, and, and we love you as an individual and kind of what you can provide this program and, and how we can develop you going forward. Um, and then lastly on my list here on, on the defensive side would be Hunter Wohler. Um, obviously probably as highly recruited skill player in the state as, as a, in a long time and just extremely talented. 
you know, what he does at the safety position and, and impacting, uh, impacting games at that level um, was a lot of fun to watch. And um, another kid who is multiple-time champion that, you know, you're fired up to just bring those guys into, into the locker room and hopefully breed the success um, that they've had individually and as, as a team and as a, as a leader. That was Jim Laird, and without question, this is a defensive class that is a solid A in my book. And keep in mind, Wisconsin did all this recruiting, most of it, during a pandemic with a dead period that started in mid-March and continues to this day. How do they do it? Simple. They did it by identifying kids early and recruiting them early. Deacon Hill, Nolan Rushi, J.P. Benchwell, Riley Melman, Jackson Acker. Loyal Crawford, Io Bogan, Hunter Wooler, Brian Sanford, they all got their first Power 5 offer from Wisconsin. And a lot of players not mentioned were brought to campus last season during their juniors for games like Jake Cheney, T.J. Bullers, and Daryl Peterson. Getting a look at the campus and me and the staff, something they wouldn't have been able to do this season in person with no fans allowed for games and the dead period, obviously. Now, another reason the Badgers fared so well is their junior day on March 1st, less than two weeks before the shutdown. Not only were Bowlers and Peterson there, Jack Pugh was there and Marcus Allen were all on campus. And that helped these kids decide when the shutdown happened, they couldn't visit other places. That was big for Allen, who decommitted from Michigan. He knew what Wisconsin was all about, having been here for that junior day. Now, most important, the Badgers landed every in-state player they wanted. They remained flexible with their position numbers when, when guys like Antoine Roberts and Nolan Rushi came on the table. And they did a fantastic job putting together virtual visits for recruits and families so they can get comfortable in the pro- with the program without having step foot on campus, guys like Skylar Bell and Mike Jarvis. Personally in that charge is Saeed Khalif, who is in the fourth season as Director of Player Personnel at Wisconsin 2020, overseeing the Badgers' recruiting efforts. Fair warning, this guy will make you excited, really excited about this incoming class as you listen to his interview with the media from Wednesday. Yeah, Saeed, I mean, this has really changed over the years. Back in the day, there could be a lot of upheaval on signing day. Now it's pretty much locked in before. Was there anything that unfolded today that surprised you or did things go according to plan? It really went according to plan. I mean, it's this was uh, the culmination of some as long as 18-month recruiting cycle. So um, I'm feeling really good about the relationships that were formed and the work that had been put in. We kind of and one of the things I learned here is it becomes business as usual on signing day. So we were talking to Jim Leonard earlier, and he said that he really liked bringing in guys that won multiple state championships, kind of having that winning culture mentality coming in. How much does that factor into your um, evaluations and identifications of guys? Well, guys from a winning program and a winning brand has a lot to do with it. Um, but when I'm looking for position guys to fit needs, I mean, getting to their record is something that's probably last. Uh, unless we're looking at a quarterback, you know, we want a guy, a winner. But typically the, the, the winning traditions of their programs are why we're even recruiting their school. So that helps. But primarily we're looking for position specific traits that fit what we do. So, you know, he could be a really good football player on a really bad team. We're not going to turn him down. I know you can't talk about one of the players, but on Monday you talked about two wide receivers. Uh, you know, briefly when talking about Elvis Witted, but kind of honing in on Skyler Bell. Just what 
attributes st stand out about him and what led to that offer and then the eventual courtship to get his commitment uh, you know, this year? Um, obviously, we identified him. He was, in, he was playing his football in a Connecticut area. Uh, so we have a coach that covers the area. And when his name came up, um, it came right around pandemic time. So we really couldn't get back to him. But just watching him and, and watching his body development, uh, understanding his dad had a, a big commitment to training. So we knew he was a kind of kid that put in work. It was, been, it was in his DNA. And then just watching his, the explosiveness with the ball, his physicality. And then he's got, a, he got the Bronx chip on his shoulder, too. So don't hurt to have a little tough guy down here in Madison that we're trying to throw the ball to and we'll fight for it. So that was exciting. And this made the connection. I mean, he was easy to talk to. He, he carries himself well, expresses himself well. You don't have to guess what he's thinking. Um, you probably follow some of his work out there in social. Um, he feels like he's got some things to prove. Uh, obviously disappointed with his not having the ability to play this season, but his body of work was still enough for us to say he fits us and we love to have him. Saeed, were there any positions uh, that you look at as you go into the February signing period that you want to address? And if not, if you feel like you're full, uh, anything you uh, wished you would have touched on? in this class well we don't feel like we're full we're full Jesse um, with the again with the guys having the ability to come back uh, we're full uh, we're, we're, we're to the gills but we will never turn down a really really good football player especially what I like to call the defensive quarterback the defensive lineman you know we can get a big strong moose in there who likes eating double teams and, and we'll do that for a living. That's the kind of guy that fits what we do on defense here. And it's always room for them. So um, we are full. We're absolutely full. Pleased with this class, not looking to fill a spot. Um, so we're really, our concentration immediately pivoted to what's our activity plans with the 22s. Hey, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, big, athletic, strong linemen. I think every team in America wants those. Oh, yeah. Might that be the hardest position to either recruit or evaluate, or is that too general of a statement? No, that's you dead on, Jeff. I think that, along with the quarterback, obviously you get the quarterback very early. You really can't identify that lineman that early because his body needs to develop to know that he's going to be able to carry the weight. But absolute hardest. I mean, you could call anybody in the country and they'll take a defensive lineman who can run, jump, strong, flexible, long-armed, you know. Uh, so that is the number one most difficult position to, to recruit. Um, I was wondering about, so talking about the quarterback, talking about Landon Deacon, not only getting him as a football player, but also getting him as a person and as a guy that was kind of leading this class. What was it like to have him, getting him early and then having him lead the class and, and helping recruit throughout this entire process? Uh, it, it was our blessing, right? We got a guy that's going to be in the quarterback, leading the huddle, uh, a lot like a guy that's already on our team that has the energy and the want to to reach out to others and build his team and build up guys around him. I mean, he, he wants to do it. It's, it's natural to him, easy communicator, wants to reach out. You don't have to ask for it. It's just stuff that he's doing. So um, that, that was a – better than a bonus for us. You know, it's, it's nice to be able to follow up and grab a guy like that um, to, to come into this class. 
we, I know we talked about Skyler a second ago, but you know, he was a he played multiple sports. Jake Ratzleff's played multiple sports. Others have just looking at that and how you approach recruiting. Just how much does playing multiple sports, even like TJ uh, TJ with playing baseball, how much does that help them as an athlete? And what stands out to you about them playing those multiple sports? Well, well it, it shows the, the the versatility of the player. Um, we might bring a kid in out of position, but because he's done multiple things, if we had to hit a position change or something like he has the versatility to, to do multiple things. Um, it's one of the things that we grade. We grade on multiple position value. Um, we want to know that a, a kid can do more than one thing, play on both sides of the ball. Uh, the different sports lend to the different physical traits, the flexibility, the durability. Uh, and most of those kids that play multiple sports are in shape year round. So they're not taking big hiatus and then starting back up. They're, they're in a routine and their bodies are developing and they have, they have a consistency to their training and those kind of things. So they, they're, they're, they could be immediate add-ons to the program. So what are the conversations like with a player that wants to reclassify? How do you guys sort of walk through that process? And what do you sort of talk about with a player when they're interested in doing that? If you're referring to the really good one as date, is hell yeah. What do we have to do? Let's call your counselor. Let's make sure you got the grades. Um, that That's, you know, it's, it's a catch-22, right? You're concerned with the maturity. What are, what are they forfeiting by classifying early? What does that do to them when they come into the locker room? And, um, you know, they're, they're amongst some 21, 22-year-olds, and you come in here at 17 or 16 years old. What does that do? So, you know, you're concerned about it. So you're, you're gauging the maturity level, uh, the willingness and the want to. I mean, we just had a man-child who's kind of outgrown high school and, and glad to have him. The conversation really is more into uh, – how difficult is the rigor in high school to make sure he can do this without suffering uh, academic, you know, trauma by having to double up on an English and core courses and things like that. But once you get past that and the maturity level is there and defined, I mean, we feel really good about it and, and want to plant the flag for the state and, and run around for us. We take them. Hey, is there a position group or a player that, you would say that you're most proud of the way that you guys were able to attack that recruiting and, and you know, develop that relationship to, to land to today? That's tough. I mean, I think we hit we hit some home runs in, in multiple position groups in this class, and if they don't help our team, then, man, we missed, we missed bad, you know. But, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's hard for me to pinpoint, I mean, in the tradition of keeping outside linebackers and O-linemen, we hit home runs there. I mean, defensively, we really helped ourselves in the secondary. Um, and it, and, and it, even in the, the middle linebacker position, we bought in three running backs at, at RBU. I mean, I, we got tight ends in the game. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say one particular group. I feel like they all add value and add depth where we need them. Um, and, and it's going to be good to have choices and really good choices as we get into it again coming spring and fall. Yeah, Saida, I know you. this is your fourth year here, but I think traditionally it's it's rare for them to get three running backs in one cycle. 
And I'm just curious what made that possible or why did you guys want to do that, this cycle? The why was we had two really good ones in state that we weren't going to let out of the state. That was the beginning of it. Um, and then the emergence of, uh, of Antoine, who came over from Tennessee and came to a game, spent the time here. We loved the family. We loved what he was about. Uh, so it kind of said, well, we can't have too many. And that goes back to the multiple position value, too. I mean, we love them as running backs. And we know as athletes, they have a lot of versatility. So we want really, we, we're not going to turn down a really good football player in our state, not at home. And then it just so happens that it was a really good one out of state who wanted to be here and we wanted him here. And it made it, made it work and we made it work. Saeed, as you know, this is the highest rated class Wisconsin's had for a third straight year. And you talked earlier this week about how that was intentional part of the process to start getting more highly rated kids. Is is this the expectation now for Wisconsin in recruiting? Um, to, to kind of, I think I heard the first part about the expectation in recruiting. Um, yes. I mean, we want to compete. It's, it's, it's what we want to be. We, we want to. We want to be a top program, and we want we want ourselves recognized with top programs in everything that we do, uh, our football play, our recruiting, and our academics. We want it all to measure up. So, yeah, it's a big deal for us. Um, we, we we love to be in the conversations and and people talking top twenty and and that kind of stuff. Awesome to hear. If that helps us get get us over the hump, uh, we're not again. Uh, rating chasers it just means we want our evaluation considered just like some of the other programs that you would consider a blue blood we're a blue blood program and that's where we should be and we have to work to continue to do that and that means getting in some battles and we want to feel like we got a strong enough product to do that um and that's that's kind of where we're from and and, and that's the, the, the space we come from feel like we have the product we've had the history um, and we feel like we need to be in those conversations on those levels. That wraps up our recruiting coverage on this podcast, which I'm happy to say has had 10 of these players on for one-on-one interviews. Uh, my congrats to all of them for being officially done with the recruiting process and now committing to the school of their dreams. But before we go, we should mention there are some games tomorrow, as I mentioned at the top, Wisconsin basketball is taking on Louisville in a rescheduled game from earlier this month before the Badgers begin conference play against Nebraska early next week. Now, I was impressed with how Greg Guard's group beat a solid Loyola program on Tuesday. UW hasn't quite put it all together yet, in my opinion, but they're getting closer. And the Badgers' Christmas Day matchup at number four Michigan State will tell me a lot about where this team is. So we'll talk more about UW hoops next week. But UW football stuck in the three-game losing streak. They've really been in reverse since that uplifting victory at Michigan more than a month ago. And so you would think having the longest-running rivalry in college football return to the schedule should be what the Badgers need uh, to end their conference season. So instead of playing in the Big Ten championship game, the Badgers are going to host the Gophers uh, in a game that was rescheduled from their November 28th meeting that was canceled because of COVID issues in the Gophers program. Kickoff is 3 p.m. on the Big Ten Network right after the Big Ten title game between the Buckeyes and the Wildcats. Wisconsin send at 2-3. and three. They've won 22 of their last 25 meetings with Minnesota, including last season's 38-17 victory in Minneapolis. However, the Gophers enter the weekend with a better overall record at 3-3, three and, three, and they're on a two-game winning streak. 
after winning shorthanded last weekend at Nebraska. Uh, Wisconsin's also won 22 of the last 25 games with a traveling trophy on the line, but they lost the Heartland Trophy last week at Iowa 28-7. Some keys for me, can Wisconsin stop Minnesota's run game? That's probably key number one. Minnesota is the conference's best running back this season in Ibrahim, uh, over 900 yards and 15 touchdowns in six games. Minnesota doesn't have any other players with over 175 rushing yards on the season. So Gophers averaging 29 points per game. They have a good quarterback. They have some pretty good wide receivers, too. They have stepped up uh, since Bateman opted out for a second time. So this will be important for Wisconsin. Wisconsin still is the number one uh, rush defense in the country, uh, in the Big Ten, excuse me, 83.2, third nationally. They took a hit last week when Tyler Goodson ripped off an 80-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Uh, those to put those numbers up a little bit. Can Wisconsin be stout against the run? That's going to be the critical moment. And can Wisconsin ignite its own running game? Here's kind of a shocking stat for you. Wisconsin has seen 32 different players rush for at least 100 yards in a game versus Minnesota, including at least one player in 18 of the last 19 meetings. This season, in the final game of the regular season, Wisconsin has yet to have a 100-yard rusher. Think about that. Running back U has yet to have a 100-yard rusher this season. Badgers are 59th in the country in rushing offense, 171 yards per game. Jalen Berger has come the closest to breaking the 100-yard barrier. He's been within 13 yards three times, 87 twice and 93 once. However, Berger didn't play last week, and Wisconsin rushed for 56 yards on 33 attempts. Now, this plotting performance of the tailbacks has put more pressure on young quarterback Graham Mertz, who has averaged 17 incompletions and 2.3 turnovers during this three-game losing streak. Now, the Gophers are ranked 12th in the Big Ten in rush defense, giving up over 212 yards per game, but held the Huskers' two tailbacks to 52 yards on 13 carries last week. History shows the Badgers should have some running lanes to achieve some big plays through, but the question is, can the backs take advantage? Now, we also don't know which Minnesota team is going to show up. The Gophers were missing 22 players against Purdue, they missed their next two games, Wisconsin-Northwestern, then they played with 33 players, without 33 players against Nebraska. They were missing their top three tight ends, had only four defensive tackles on the trip, were one offensive lineman away from being dangerously thin on numbers. But yet Minnesota still had 393 yards of offense, 212 on the ground, and no turnovers against the hapless Huskers. One player the Badgers won't have to worry about is Rashard Bateman, who I mentioned opted out of the season for a second time. But Minnesota still had a bunch of weapons. You know, Chris Audenbellet, five catches for 82 yards. Clay Geary, four catches. Daniel Jackson had three catches for veteran quarterback Tanner Morgan. So this offense has some, some pop to it for the Gophers. But the real key is, can the Badgers regain their energy level? You know, Colin Wilder, the safety, said, you know, there's, there's some pissed off people in the Wisconsin program. Can they translate that into being ticked off on the field? Garrett Groshek said that they've been struggling on offense with the overall energy level in practice and meetings and in games. Again, it's been a long season and there's been a lot of ups and downs and mental hurdles. But if you can't get up playing for the Axe, you know, you, you can't get up for anything this season. So, and the key is for Wisconsin, if, if they win, they're probably going to a bowl game. You know, the last time Wisconsin did play in a bowl game was 2001. And ironically, that campaign ended with a loss to the Gophers to leave the Badgers at 5-7. and seven. Now, 3-3 three and three record this season is much more appealing to a bowl committee than 2-4, and four, but there's a lot of questions as to what will happen after Saturday. You know, the NCAA has waived win requirements for this season, and the Big Ten, outside of the top four teams, has been really underwhelming as a league 
Ohio State's probably going to the college football playoff. Indiana's a strong choice for a New Year's Six Bowl game. Northwestern's probably going to go to a, a better bowl. They will go to a better bowl than Wisconsin. Same with Iowa. So Wisconsin maybe can slide itself into maybe like the Music City Bowl. Keep in mind, there's going to be no Red Box Bowl. There's no Quick Lanes Bowl. There's no Pinstripe Bowl this year, all with Big Ten tie-ins. But a number of schools, Power 5 schools, are opting out of bowl games. Kansas State, San Diego State, UCLA, Pittsburgh, uh, Virginia, Boston College, all those schools are not going to play in bowl games this year. Now, the players who spoke to the media during this week, uh, Groshek, Mertz, Wilder, Jack Sanborn, said they would be ready for more football. But again, that's a small minority on the roster. Will UW players accept a bowl bid if they get one? Or will they be content ending the season on a high note with Paul Bunyan Zacks? We are not going to know for sure until after the lights are turned off at Camp Randall for the final time. And the latest game, the latest home game ever played in the history of the stadium, which dates back to 1917, the latest regular season game in program history, tied for the latest. I think Wisconsin played a, a December 19th game in 1896, so I was not around for that one. Should be interesting. Should be a very busy Saturday with Wisconsin basketball, Wisconsin football, and the Packers on Saturday night. And so I thank you for tuning in to this show to get you all caught up, and especially for our National Signing Day coverage. A lot of great coverage on BadgerBlitz.com if you've missed it. Please go check it out. There's also a great subscriber deal right now, whether you're a current subscriber or you're not subscribed. A great special on the site right now that's going to get you set up for pretty much the entire uh, season. Uh, don't pay until the end of January 12921. New subscriptions only is uh, with the code Badger NSD. There's also a couple of subscriber options to check them out at BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter for a busy day tomorrow. I'll be at the Cole Center at Camp Randall at the Badger Nation, and our coverage will be on wisconsin.rivals.com. We'll talk to you early next week before Christmas. We'll recap Wisconsin-Minnesota, get you ready for Big Ten play, and we'll preview Santa coming down the chimney. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, stay safe out there, everyone, and we'll talk to you again soon on the badgerblitz.com podcast.